Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mind the Gap, Enablix's only podcast talking sales and marketing alignment. In part two of our mini series, we're going to cover the sales feedback workflow. And I have on the pod Andrew Gray, our first two time guest. Andrew, how's it going? It's good, Nick. It's good. I'm, uh, it is a wonderful day. It's August 1st. We're ramping up our, our Q3, and I'm excited to come back and, and have another chat with you. And today's also a great day just because, uh, our company gave all of our employees a wellness day to, oh. to kick off our Q3 right, which is wonderful. So really excited to be here and, uh, and chat with you today. That's what the number of cold emails I've received today referencing the start of Q3 uh, is breaking my inbox. Um, so, so it's topical. No, but, but um, uh, happy wellness day to you and, and, and thanks for agreeing to be on the pod. Um, you know, you know, I, I, I thought that uh, you'd be a good guess for this one, because I think it sits really intersectionally where sales enablement is, uh, which is understanding why sales feedback for marketing content is necessary. Um, and, and so I want to kick this off by saying, uh, first of all, uh, you know, we had said you're in sales enablement for people that missed the first episode, uh, really quickly, what do you do? Uh, uh what's your day job? Uh, my day job is, uh, is listening to salespeople and making sure they have the assets they need. You know, it's funny. I read this article recently, and, and I hope it's okay for me to say this, but it so. said if it takes you more than three words to describe what you do, what you do is bullshit. Okay. And and I laughed, and I kind of I had to like internalize that and and come back to put simply, my job is to empower customer facing teams. That's it. I like, and you know, honestly, whenever you see truisms like that, I think they're always directionally right. But like, okay, so if you have four words, does that mean you're 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 full of BS, right? <laughs> I saw something that said you need to be able you you need to be able to describe your marketing strategy in one sentence, or you don't have a strategy. And I thought about it, and I said, that's just not true. I can have a two sentence domination strategy. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, I make money. No, no. Um, uh, uh, I get money. Uh, 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 that's Lil Wayne off his, uh, uh, the Carter three. That being said, um, we're, we're here to talk about feedback and you <laughs> enable customer facing teams. The reason we're here is because I think we all know, right? Content marketing content is like really very rarely finished once it leaves the mm -hmm. marketing team, right? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, like, have you ever seen a piece of, have you ever seen a perfect piece of marketing content? You know, you asked me uh, earlier as well, and I told you I actually have. I, okay. I have seen some quote-unquote perfect marketing pieces, but they were only perfect because of a feedback cycle prior. Okay, and so so it wasn't the, the first, first launch, time. That, yeah, okay, correct. so it wasn't the first time that it left. It was the I, first I, time that that specific asset may have been launched, but at the same time, that was because of iterations of similar types of assets. Like, for example... Um, you know, I've worked with, with product marketing teams that we've gone through a process of how do we become, you know, intentional with assets that we produce for either an offering, a service, a campaign, whatever we're doing. We came to like this content, uh, con almost like a content blueprint mm -hmm. of whenever we have the messaging, we have this content that's meant to do, you know, X, Y, and Z for the content, whether it's educate, differentiate, uh, or activate on specific customers. And we'd say, you know, this is for this persona type and it's to engage them, pull them down the rabbit hole. And this is paired with the best content I've ever seen. This is paired with this sales stage. And here's a sales, you know, sales execution to it with a, a call script or a quick reference guide. So it, it, 
yes, I've seen perfect marketing content, but at the same time, that marketing content was after iterations, you know, over the course of months and years, working collaboratively with a product marketing team. Well, and I kind of want to talk about that because I, I think that many marketers, including myself, um, almost want to feel offended when, when we're told, you know, you can't, you can't create perfect collateral, right? Like it's almost like, oh, uh, no matter how hard you try, you're going to be bad at your job. But, but I don't, I don't think that's what we're saying, right? Because marketing will come with their own perspective, right? And, and, and there are a lot of things we can get into that. What are the kinds of things that, and I think you referenced some that sales and sales enablement, uh, and even in product marketing, like like what during that iteration, what is sales adding? You know, it's it's a good question because I think salespeople by nature, um, first and foremost, you have to take into consideration the the psychological type of a salesperson, right? They're they're hungry, they're driven, they want to go make money, they're extrinsically motivated. You know, they want your marketing collateral to be awesome. The problem is, oftentimes they may feel like it misses the mark because the marketing collateral doesn't do what the core thing they need it to do. Mm -hmm. From a marketeer's perspective, collateral is all about educating a customer on who we are, getting brand awareness, uh, people understanding your brand and, and maybe getting excited for your brand. From a salesperson's perspective, if it doesn't pull them down a rabbit hole of saying like, here's why you need to come talk to me. It's not about the awareness. It's about, I am a consultant. I'm an advisor. I'm a professional in this field. I'm a practitioner who can assist you. And when there's content that does that, know me, know my business, and content helps them do that, that's when you get really close to a content piece that can be near perfect. So from a salesperson's perspective, they'll often add tweaks or you know kind of changes to it to where it's like it's targeted to a specific type of individual. And that way it pulls them down the rabbit hole. And so that's typically the types of changes I'll see is something like that where it just becomes a lot more personal because let's be honest, you know, it's, it's a realistic ask from, from a sales perspective to say like, I want to do this, but on the reverse side, I also have to take into consideration a marketeer's perspective yeah. because that does not scale for a marketer that does not scale. If they created content that is that explicitly accurate and, and prescriptive to different persona types or individuals that will not scale. So we used to have this principle where it was the, we called it the 80, 20 rule, 80% for everybody, 20% localized, regionalized and personalized to that audience type. Yeah. Because, you know, in part one, we talked about like an approval workflow. Like how do you, how do you take one piece of marketing material and turn it into seven created by sales? Right. And how do you get the right kinds of approval around that and make sure everything's on brand? This is kind of getting to the heart of that, of saying, you know, like, like, but, but drawing a line of like, when is it good to hyper-personalize and have marketing step in? And when are we saying, you know, it, maybe it's, it's not, it's not worth it now, because I think you're right. Sales is going to contextualize that marketing material in many ways for a specific audience to do a specific task. Um, marketing can do that in broad strokes, but the reason you have sales is to get to know the, the, the specific audience, right? Not personas, not ideas, not, you know, people, right? All right. I'm reaching out to this person and this is what they will want to hear. When we talk, when we, we, we consider the ways that we want to provide feedback, our, our recommendation is to do to three things, make the feedback cycle straightforward, unstructured and organized. Um, those are, those are, those are kind of three big, big things there. So I want to touch on each one. We talk about straightforward, right? It needs to be easy. Um, now this is, I think drives at the crux of why this is hard. If it's too easy, sales is going to complain about everything marketing makes 
And in a lot of organizations, they do. If it's too hard, you're not going to get any of that feedback. And, and, and a lot of your content is going to miss the mark. Can you help, help me understand how, how, what's a good way to, to kind of walk that tightrope and make it easy enough that you get positive outcomes? Hmm. Hit me with a hardball one. Yeah. Really. <laughs> and while and while you're at it, um, uh, could could you could you please give me world peace? Uh, that would be great. Uh, you know, I can try, okay. but a lot more intelligent people have been trying for a lot longer than I have, and you know, I don't know how far we'll come. But it, it's it's an interesting one because you know you have to. We're on the line. Do we say X Y access? easy versus, you know, perfect. Uh, if that's how we want to look at this, I think it really comes down to if, you know, no salesperson will accept all collateral. And I think it becomes, how do you have different components of collateral that can be used and interchanged? And what I mean by that is maybe don't try and make this one piece, the, the all in everything about this, it's the Super Bowl ring. It is the best piece of collateral ever. But then how, how could you basically have, like, let's say five, let's say you have five collateral types, you know, a white paper, an ebook, um, a blog post, maybe a secondary ebook and a secondary white paper, right? And then how can you make, how can you mix and match? And basically by saying, you know, technical personas get pulled down the rabbit hole with this, and then they engage with this. So what if you have a blog post that speaks to both a business and technical level persona, that starts getting them into the rabbit hole. And then we say, okay, from that blog post, we're going to say engage with one of our advisors, professionals, consultants, you know, however we tag that as your call to action item. And then once it's in, we say, okay, salesperson, if they're technical, leverage this white paper. If they're business oriented, leverage this white paper and continuously have that conversation. So I think it's not necessarily, you know, let's go step one, make it easy. Mm -hmm. I'm making it easy by saying, hey, we have these different content, you know, syndications or blueprints whatever your know, terminology your organization uses um, and say, we, you know, we have this matrix of content for you that's meant to do each piece is meant to do these things and it's used to be interchangeable. So now we've got easy out of the way. Now let's talk about things that are explicit for a, a specific person. Well, well, no one's going to be the same thing, right? right? Like even if you have a buyer, let's say you're a SaaS organization, uh, either SaaS or, you know, past platform as a service, maybe, you know, maybe you're even, something deeper than that. Maybe our infrastructure as a service, no matter what you sell on this planet, it does not matter. No two buyers are going to be the same. Mm -hmm. So no one piece of content will speak to every, there's, there's not a piece of content under the sun that a buyer will look at and say, this answered all of my questions because everyone's different. So when you asked me earlier, have I ever seen a perfect piece of content? I, I said, yes. And the reason I said yes is because it's not one piece that goes into that equation. It's the, the numerous parts or that, that blueprint, that matrix, mm -hmm. so to say, of what to use, when to use it, and who to use it on, because different people have different questions. That was a very long-winded response to that big question, but no, no, was... talking about how you think uh, I did. So I, I, I agree with a lot of the parts, especially your part of the blueprint. Something we at Enablix do is I think so many marketers get caught up around, you, you know, whether you're assigned a, you, you had said white paper and ebook, right? These big chunks, these really awesome things, which are going to be really important. But, but what you need to have first is usable pieces that can be used independently of that white paper, right? Do you have a really good infographic that goes on page four, but reps can send out independently and give feedback on that infographic, right? And, and when that white paper is done, what are ways that you can, you can open up ways to say, hey, on page three, 
can we blank, right? And you could say yes, no to that, right? Right. Hey, page three, I think we need to get a little bit more specific or something like that. Um, but it's not delivering a huge 20 page chunk and saying, here it is, use it. Right. I, I think that, I think that's where these teams get out. You know, we talk about alignment, that's misalignment, right? That's one team's basically saying F you to the other team's input. Um, and so that's why unstructured. So that, that right there, like to me, that, that is the whole thing, right? Like that is the kit and caboodle. Uh, in our last podcast, I told you about how at Samba Nova, we are a thesis and signals driven company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a pleasure, you know, I've had a pretty, a pretty good experience in my career of working with really strong product marketers. Um, they, I've just, I've had really good experience with our product marketing teams. Yeah. And currently, um, our product marketing team, I really love how they think about this because they're looking for those. Again, our, our company is thesis and signal oriented. And so they go out and they say, okay, we want to build an ebook, a white paper, an infographic, um, you know, whatever, in, insert asset name here, right? Mm-hmm. But it's great because our product marketing team always comes to me and they say, Andrew, is, is there any salesperson who's working on this topic, this idea, yeah. this concept that we can go and chat with? Because I talk to our salespeople on a regular basis. And I think, you know, the whole thing around feedback is you got to have a pulse on your business. No mm-hmm. ivory tower enablement, no ivory tower marketing. Sales enablement is, it's the mortar between the bricks. You heard me say that before in our last podcast. And I really believe that, you know, my job is to unlock the potential of other people's jobs, which means I go and sit with the sales, the sales teams on a regular basis. I go and have one-on-ones with our sales leaders practically on a weekly basis right now. And then our sales teams, they always know that they can escalate things to me, no matter how small or how big they think the problem is, whether it's, Hey, how do I use this thing? Or, Hey, how do I do this thing? As an enabler, my job is to get people to trust me. Yeah. And then they give me that feedback. They give me that information because they trust me and that I have their best intention at heart. So then when our product marketing team says, hey, we have this concept idea, a thesis mm-hmm. on what we want to do with it, we need to find some early signals before we fully invest in writing a you know twenty page white. You can connect that. I say awesome. And that's, that's the whole thing. And that to me gets at the heart of it being unstructured. I think so many teams go into this with the best of intentions saying, Hey, like, and they'll have like a form Mm -hmm. for feedback and you're missing the forest for the trees, right? We say unstructured. We mean that there has to be multiple channels that you could provide feedback and it can be to any degree, right? Mm -hmm. I I think you need to set a bar Mm -hmm. for what the feedback should be. Like say, Hey, like, you know, I don't like it. Not good feedback, right? It has to be specific enough but unstructured in a way that you could start even at the beginning ideation stages of creating content or after content is released, right? Like at any point in this, in, in creating stuff for your users and prospects, you need to be able to engage that. And, and two rules, check your ego and emotions at the door. Yeah. So technically one rule. Well, no, two yeah. I get <laughs> uh, well, and the, but, so this only works too when we, when we talk about it being organized. This only works if they feel mm-hmm. that there is a response to the feedback, right? Sales isn't gonna mm-hmm. right. I think you gave a really good example of product marketing seeking sales feedback before the assets even created. In many, let's say that we're mm-hmm. we're beyond that and we're and this and the asset has been created and we're giving feedback. It has to be responded to in some way. That doesn't mean immediately fix yep. every piece of feedback you get because no one, you know, you'd never get anything done. But it needs to be addressed mm-hmm. to say either why or why that will or won't happen and when. And that mm-hmm. to me is the hardest part 
because it requires process. It requires discipline and requires actually listening to sales, which I know that most marketers say they want to do, but I don't, I don't know that, you know, I don't, I don't want anybody just telling me that my stuff could be better, but, but to your point about checking your ego, that's what it is. And, and, and so you have to do something when these people tell you, because in the end you're, you should all be trying to do the same thing. Yeah. No, I, and it's interesting to hear you say that as well, because I, I do think it is a, um, yeah, no one, no one, everybody asks for feedback, but nobody really says like, Hey, I want to get my ass chewed today. Hey, I want to get beaten up and, and beaten down today. But I think as enablers, like that is part of our job. You know, it's, it's going and getting beaten up, beaten down, getting the feedback and then doing it from an objective point of view where it, yeah, I think I said this to you right before the call. Sometimes I feel like sales enablement can be, it can be described as being a therapist for a sales mm. team, which is, it's, it's an interesting concept. But the reason I say that is because sometimes taking the feedback from a, from an objective point of view and, and talking about like, Hey, how does this make you feel like why, like what's the root cause analysis of why things are, are irritated. Yes. Right. And never take it from a position of defense. Always taking it from a position of how, obviously, if this person is complaining about this or they don't feel strongly that this is, gets the job done, something has been missed. Yeah. And if something has been missed, the chances of adoption are low. Always assume. And the only way you can change with, that. When you get feedback, always assume positive intent. They're not saying it to hurt you. That's, and that's it. Like, that's it. And that, I love that. I love that. People are not giving feedback to maliciously attack you as an individual. Sometimes it's like this didn't work for them. You have to dig in and understand that root cause, right? Like, okay, so I, I sometimes I'll joke with people when I see very defensive feedback happen. Like if it's, if it's, cause there's, again, there's different levels, yeah. right? Like you can have feedback forms, which, you know, at Samanova, we're currently trying to figure out how we, how we pull in feedback in a more scalable approach, not just the qualitative piece we do right now of conversational, but how do we pull in a, you know, a data bit, like data backed approach yeah to feedback as well. We're, we're right now we're really looking at that. So this podcast is very timely for me. Um, but when you see these things, like how do you look at it and not get defensive about it? Like, Oh, okay. Like this person is just attacking, but how do you look at it and say, I, I joked with somebody recently, they gave some pretty harsh feedback to me on, um, on one of the courses that my team had just built out for, for our new bootcamp yeah. to help educate new hires and, and get us in the right domain thing. And I was on this call and I got some, it was, it was kind of harsh feedback. And I, I just stopped and I laughed a little bit and you're like, well, I mean, what are you going to do? I was like, I just have one question for you. And they said, why? I said, who hurt you? <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, first of all, thank you. Feedback is a gift. Thank you. But second of all, like the feedback you're giving is in a place that I, I don't feel like is authentically you. So what's going on? Let's, let's talk about like, you're giving me feedback based on this course that I feel like you're nitpicking small details, but talking about the overall theme of yeah. the course, execution, we can fix the volume level in the course. We can fix the UI. We can fix the UX. We can change. So we just launched our LMS for the first time. Congrats. Right? Like these are things we can change, but the feedback you're giving me is less about it's, it's less about the content, the feeling, any of this. And they're like, well, the course is actually really good. <laughs> I just feel like this is not going to give me the right tools I actually need because I'm missing blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, fantastic. Let's yeah. dig in on that. 
And then we, I started listening to them and, and interacting with them and saying, and I got to a point where I said, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to open my kimono. You, you know me. I believe in transparency. Let me open the kimono for you. Part one, two, three, and four of this course is, are these things. Currently, we have built part one. We have built part two. We're currently working on part three because it's, it's stuff that is actively changing in the market right now, which will get us to part four. And he was like, yeah, if you do that, that is like spot on on the money. I said, fantastic. You have to remember there's two, two yeah. of us right now. There's two people which, on my which team. Which goes to a really good point us. about any of this, right? What, you, know, you can't take any of this in a vacuum, whether it's the feedback you receive or the things that you're sending to your sales team. There needs to be context around all of it, right? Whether it's, is this a part of a thing? Mm -hmm. Is this, right? When you deliver that infographic, does sales know it's going to be a part of a white paper? Because if not, they're probably going to think, well, this isn't enough. Mm -hmm. You know, what am I going to use this? And so as we, as we begin to wrap up, exactly. I, I think that, I, I think this has been great. And I think our next episode is going to be how to deal with uh, uh, toxic salespeople as a sales enabler, because uh, that was, that was a, a, a clinic right there, but we, we, we don't have the time to get into it now. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I do think, by the way, that's sales enable, one of sales enablement's uh, biggest challenges. We're going to skip past that. Takeaways, create a space for the feedback. It could be public. It could be private. Don't yep. make it too open to the entire company. Make it useful and action oriented. And yeah. then power, power of threes. threes. Yeah. Power, like power of three, right? You want signal and thesis on, on a new piece of asset, pull in your three most experienced salespeople, pull in the three salespeople that have an opportunity in this space. You're trying to create an asset on pull in the three practitioners who've sold that deal in the last year. Right, power of threes. Find find your three advocates for this and get that feedback and signal early. And and the other part of that to me is like open the kimono, right? Don't just be like, ha ha, surprise, we dropped this thing. Talk to the sales yeah. team. Talk to enablement. F like, hey, listen, I think Beyonce did a wonderful job dropping her latest album, giving plenty of time releasing cover art and snippets. Do that when creating marketing material. Is what you're saying. So that's what I'm hearing. Fellow, yeah. fellow, uh, yeah. uh, Texan Beyonce. Um, uh, and then, and then finally respond to the feedback, close the loop in some way or form. Uh, and then, and obviously, you know, sales feedback is good. Find data that helps support that, whether it be uh, a content space, mm -hmm. whether it be, uh, d data from prospects, whatever that is, um, data is going to be your best friend here. Um, as, as we wrap up any other, any other yeah. closing thoughts you have? You know, I, I think the biggest one for me is is feedback is a journey, right? It's it's not a destination to arrive at. Uh, having perfect content is is should not be your destination. Your destination should be about the adventure. You should look at this whole thing and say, how do I produce things that helps our customer facing teams do what they do best? And then more importantly, how do I have these incremental improvements over time? Because even even enablement programs that we're writing right now are onboarding that we're in the middle yeah. of creating. I told you about part one, two, three, and four, right? That will never be done. You know, I, it, I don't care how, like, if we produce, if my team and I produce the best, best, best part one, two, three, and four program on the world, guess what? In three to six months, it won't changes. be the best anymore. And so it's all about how do we, how do we continuously look for these evolutions and involvement? And, you know, from an enabler's perspective, like you have to look for collaboration points. How can you help? Your job is to empower the customer-facing mm -hmm. teams, right? If product marketing it maybe is not doing the best they can do, 
Your job is to enable the customer facing teams. Guess what? An outcome of that means you need to enable your product marketing team. So you need to be an A player for them, whatever that means. And that's, that's my big the, takeaway. Yeah, listen, this. the destination is the adventure, understanding the feedback workflow with Andrew Gray. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, we just, uh, and at the, at the, uh, the last minute of the 11th hour, you, uh, you gave us our episode name. So thank you. Um, it's hey, let's say it's been a great time chatting Absolutely. with you. Um, ha ha have an awesome, awesome day. And thank you so much for coming on the pod again. Thank you, sir. I will see you again very soon. I'm confident of that. This has been mind the gap, a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by enablers. My name is Nick Lopez. Thanks for listening.